right, everybody. Uh, special bonus episode today. I'm super stoked. Um, I'm a fan of uh, our guest. Um, he is uh, he's a lot of fun uh, to listen to on the podcast that he hosts, um, which is uh, the BR Hates Feds show. Uh, I highly recommend it. I got into it because um, I, I first I heard him on um, Seaburn, uh, the Art and War podcast, and then I got hooked on uh, the BR Hates Fed show because the title alone, it's almost like don't judge a book by its cover. Well, you can judge a pod, this particular podcast by the title. <laughs> I, I was automatically, I'm like, he hates feds. Wouldn't, wouldn't, the, wouldn't you know that I also hate feds? And I would like to listen to someone who also f- hates feds. He's also the founder of uh, the Anarch News and a host on the E-Militia podcast. Our friend, at least I hope he's our friend, uh, <laughs> Mr. BR Bloody Revolutions. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. What an introduction. I, I'm surprised you heard of Art and Warfers. That, that one hurts me a little bit, but they are, <laughs> they, they are blowing up. Little known fact, Seaburn long ago asked for a shout out from me. So I, I, gotta, I gotta put that one in there. Oh, I know. But, All right. No, I heard that. And but they are, they're killing it. <laughs> they, they, they really are doing a great job, but I, I, I don't know, man. As soon as I started listening to you, and I found it fantastic because, you know, you're, you, know you originally came from the UK, and that's kind of like what I really wanted to talk to you about, first of all, is, you know, the difference in the culture between living over there and now living uh, here on the other side of the pond. And uh, I just wanted to pick your brain. First of all, like also, here's another cool fact. Uh, you said you did some time at uh, the, the Royal Sandhurst Academy. Yeah, Royal Military Academy Sanders, the uh, British Army Officer School. So that, that was a poor decision, but, you know, we weathered it. growing up over there like i always like to find out like the people like you know the path to radicalization like how you got to where you are now so like growing up over in the uk and then you know getting to where you are now like how did that whole process happen for you like what was it uh you know how did it start like for some of us it started with like you know hearing punk rock records or what have you and then you're like yeah you know fuck the cops and the next thing you know (laughs) You know, you're like knee deep into it. I'm just if we if you wouldn't mind sharing your experience with us, that'd be great. Oh, no, I, I wish I wish it was the punk rock that got me into it. But it was a punk rock that kind of uh, kept me sane in the end. Uh, so it started off. I, I think the quickest way to explain it these days is I'm I regard myself as like a gun rights anarchist. You know, first and foremost, that's my main issue. If you can't defend yourself against the state, you're a subject and a slave. So but I had this. I don't know why the fuck I was wired this way, but growing up in England, I grew up very rural and I was amongst the very small population of British firearm owners uh, growing up shooting a little suppressed 22. Um, And that was like very normal to me. My dad was a a hunter, so not exactly like a a gun gun guy, but, you know, uh, an outdoorsman kind. And so I had rare access to firearms and it was just part of growing up for me which is not the norm so even even out in the countryside amongst because i went to like a little um little village uh schools basically not like big you know anything in a big city but even amongst rural brits firearm ownership is quite strange like you know maybe someone's uncle here and there owns a shotgun and it's you know pellet guns are like you know fairly normal but actual like owning a rifle is pretty, pretty strange. And then, uh, and then shooting often is pretty strange too. And, and not just doing it to like control deer, but because you enjoy shooting. Very, very strange. Fun fact, Britain has an NRA. 
Really? Yeah, yeah, they do fuck all. It's basically just for posh people who like killing foxes. But um, oh. yeah, long story short on all that stuff, I grew up and, you know, I, I was the latest in, uh, in Brit- you know, British firearm enthusiasts and stuff. But I grew up during the, uh, you know, when video games were kind of getting more realistic, you know, Modern Warfare 2 kind of stuff. And you start to see more realistic firearms and games. And you're like, huh. That'd be nice to own. And then as I got a little bit older and got onto social media, it was less politics that grabbed me and it was more just gun rights. Cause I was like, why can't I have an AR-15? Why can't I have semi-automatic, anything beyond a 22? And, um, and why can't I carry a gun for self-defense and all these kind of things? Why can't I have a pistol? Cause they were banned uh, after a school shooting in I think the nineties or something in Britain. And now you have to have this like weird dildo stick on the, uh, at the base of the, the mag well, basically on the back of the pistol grip. Um, and then like an elongated barrel to own a pistol. And it's a whole lot of hassle. So all these weird restrictions, firearm certificates, uh, cops have to come into your household and interview you, firearms officers, and uh, see where your safe is. Um, you're only allowed like one firearm of every caliber. Uh, you have to go to a doctor to get a, a stamp of approval saying you're sane and can own firearms. And most Brits, most British firearm owners are like, oh, no, no, that's just common sense. It's fine. You know, maybe it's a little bit of hassle or maybe they're not crazy fond of it. But, you know, I get it. We're not like America is kind of the general consensus. And I mean, they're, they're gripping on to, to every little bit of rights they have left. I mean, they're, they're now talking about removing um, certain types of shotguns, but I, I'm not really following it anymore because it's, you know, it's, it was always going to go downhill. And I knew that from a pretty young age over there. I really liked shooting. It was one of my like, biggest hobbies, despite you know, how, how much culture was against it in Britain. It was always something I really loved. And I couldn't quite, I, I didn't have the political mindset to understand why people were against it so much. I just thought it was kind of weird. So <laughs> I, that kind of in turn made me very anti-authoritarian just naturally, because I was like, oh, well, Who's going to protect my gun rights? Well, Republicans do it in America because <laughs> I was very ignorant at the time. So I was like, oh, <laughs> it, it must be the conservatives over here that do the same thing for us. And then they're the ones like sponsoring gun control bills and basically only defending fox hunting and little else. So uh, eventually I was like, oh, well, none of this makes fucking sense. And I gradually went from kind of conservative to conservatarian to libertarian and that's where i got really fucking frustrated because i started to understand just how bad government was by the time i was in high school to college and uh at this point i was like britain will never have like the gun rights situation is not getting better i was i was gradually overcoming any kind of urge for activism or anything like that i was like it's just fucked i didn't i didn't even know about uh pa luti or anything like that uh, at that point, who, for those who don't know, uh, someone who made machine guns in his garage in Britain and was fighting the state, uh, pursuing that onto his deathbed. He had he died of cancer, but the state was still pursuing charges against him for building illegal machine guns out like sheet metal uh, until he died. But how was he able to like stave them off in the meantime? Um, I I forget exactly how how the whole thing went but i mean usual usual british court battles like you know he wasn't 
he wasn't like buying them he was just building them and i think there was kind of loopholes for that thing that they were gradually <laughs> tight yeah it, the whole fucking saga um and now the same yeah now fortunately the same thing's happening with 3d printers and it's much easier so they're fucked but um yeah <laughs> but back then the situation was all but hopeless and i was like all right this island's fucked it's you know it's inevitable that the people here aren't passionate about liberty and i have zero zero interest in putting down roots there so uh in, eventually made the move to the u.s but that's um I, I don't know there's a lot in between there but that's kind of the uh overview no that's a great that was a great explanation but here's the question i have for you and again you'll have to pardon at least my ignorance or the rest of our ignorance because it's something that we at least that i don't understand at least someone who is a student of history and a student of studying political science i guess you could say is like most americans don't realize that the bill of rights the first 10 amendments to the constitution that they love to talk about that's not really that useful uh, <laughs> It's based on the 1689 English Bill of Rights. And I, I just I'm curious as to what happened. Why? Because even though maybe gun rights aren't where we want them to be and, you know, where my definition of gun rights is like my 19 year old son and I go to Walmart and get a fully automatic M60 with with the belts, like without yeah. a background check today, today, right now. That's my definition of what what gun rights ought to be. Well, I, you know, where was this strange evolution? Like, why did you know, the United States may be going one direction and Britain going the other, because as you have seen, unfortunately, yes, there are quite a few school shootings here in this country. And of course, the regular uproar happens. And then we find out that there's a lot more facts to it. Like, you know, the stupid fucking police who don't go in there and risk their lives to actually stop somebody from killing someone that happened at, um, was it Stoneman Douglas down in Florida that nobody that the cops literally just waited outside, you know? Well, they were found to have no responsibility to Correct. go yeah. in and do anything. They were yeah. like on retainer for no reason at all. It's, it's not their job, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, their job is to extort and uh, to make sure that they, you know, protect the political class, at least the ruling class, if you want to look at it that way. But yeah, not, not peasant children. No, no, certainly not. Um, where do you think the deviation comes from or where do you think that it started? Because, I mean, clear, I mean, again, this country is the inheritor of English common law. And for whatever reason, people here went one way and, you know, people in Great Britain went the other way. I mean, like, what's what's your take from all of that? Well, uh, you know, this this will be a crowd pleaser, but it started when you guys dumped the tea in the water, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so. So, but, but seriously, it's the culture of rebelliousness, which simply doesn't exist in Britain. They've been living under, you know, kings from all over, kings and queens from all over Europe and all sorts of inbreeding and fuckery for literally, you know, a few thousand years now. And um, they've been conquered one way or the other, and they've just been kind of subjects. It's truly ingrained in the culture down to the individual today. There's very little individualism despite what they might think you know they might think they're individuals but truly when you start looking around there's there is not that culture and the the same thing's happening here unfortunately but i think still there is a certain degree of like inherited rebelliousness and you see it like you know in every in every sector of uh political thought over here whether you're a, a communist or a nationalist or an anarchist or whatever the fuck there's always that like you know fuck the status quo we know better kind of deal or or we deserve these things there's really not that kind of energy in in england it's very polite you know take your kicking 
aren't we lucky to have this <laughs> and it's it's sad as fuck there's, there really isn't any urgency and i think some of the well probably the the first time in a long time that we've seen anything meaningful uh, has been the last two years and even that has been very light compared to what i would have liked to have seen but uh britain has shed their their covid measures like a lot earlier than much of europe and much of the world so it's i don't know it's it, hard to explain but Overall, I think Britain doesn't have much of a culture of rebelliousness. And, and because of that, they don't even feel like it is not even in their world to think I might have to pick up a gun and defend myself against a tyrant. Whereas, you know, we can see in Ukraine right now, it's, it's fucking uh, desirable to be an armed citizen and, and to have not just, you know, not just a deer rifle, not just an AK with 30 rounds, but to have rocket launchers that can take down uh tanks and helicopters absolutely and it's like you will you know that as that's a very hard argument to make to a brit who thinks everything's hunky-dory and they outsource all all their responsibility to the state but in america i think um both the culture of rebelliousness and the rugged individualism that that's come from how this country came about you know people um you know the the homesteading and all of that there there's much more of a oh no one's coming to help mentality you know and and fortunately that's something that still exists in, in europe it's it's stamped out because everything is outsourced to the nanny state and that's your lot people don't think they they need to learn these skills or to have that capability because oh there's someone else to do it for me fair enough I, and I, you know it's unfortunate because we see you know we we can observe this happening from over here and then there's like this steady encroachment that's been coming you know towards us i guess you could say here but i guess that that spirit of rebelliousness at some level does exist and we have talked about it here where like anybody who is like fresh across the border however they got here or you know if your you know ancestors came over here on the mayflower or if they were slaves or whatever like regardless like right here right now you're the inheritor of you know the you're supposed to be the inheritor of that rebellious uh that revolutionary spirit you know what i mean and i don't see a lot of fostering of that and of course it's convenient not to foster it because i mean the state certainly doesn't want people to at least know that they have inherited this rebellious spirit like you know i think one of my favorite stories was one at um at uh, valley forge during uh, the winter, they had that, you know, uh, Baron von Steuben, who probably wasn't a, a baron at all, like he was like not Prussian aristocracy whatsoever. And, uh, you know, he was Prussian, so he was drilled in, you know, the Prussian military style of discipline, and he was teaching the troops and he had to hire this like Washington had to hire an interpreter so that the interpreter could curse at the Americans in English. And <laughs> And because he would get so pissed off because when he would tell them to do something, the 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 colonial the Continental Army soldiers would would always say why they would question <laughs> why were they being told to do this. And as a Prussian officer, he's like, there is no fucking why. There's just yeah. <laughs> what I told you to do. And, um, you know, I think that that is actually quite a good quality. And it's something that should be fostered, obviously. One of the things that you posted on Instagram that I found that, that you know, that resonated with me because we've talked about it on this show quite a bit is not only reading but reading you know stuff that you may not agree with and the example that you gave was you have a picture of a book you know a book by peter kropotkin which is a collection of his writings and we've talked about kropotkin on the show so much 
What is it about the tribalism within the, the liberty movement or, or the anarchist movement where people do find ways to put themselves into boxes where it's like, well, this is our club? Because I fell into it too, BR. Like it happened oh, to we me. we all have. You know, and it's embarrassing because whether we agree on economics, I mean, that's moot. That we do have some core principles that we all share together. So like, what is it that, I mean, how, why do you think these things happen or why does everybody continue to put up these walls around themselves? I think when, when people are as passionate about their ideas as, you know, any of anyone who's a radical, you know, in any of any description, it's kind of safe to have your little tribe of people who, you know, agree with you on everything and don't challenge you on anything because there's, you know, if you asked me, like, you know, four years ago, what I thought of corporations, I would have given you a very fucking different answer to the one I gave you, I would give you today. And I think people are afraid of having those opinions challenged because it, it can fucking hurt when you, you know, I'll listen back to old episodes and I'll hear a take and I'm like, yeah, you're a little bit off there, bud, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and when you're, when you're uh, opening yourself up to situations where you're rubbing shoulders with someone who, you know, might fly a flag that you think is, like you know cringe or or outright egregious you're instantly putting up barriers you know you're not open to learning from them you just want your safe little echo chamber and even though so many people in the liberty movement they think they've already overcome that by coming to this you know libertarian way of thinking like oh you know i i'm i'm intellectually curious i'm open to whatever i'm i'm out of my echo chamber yeah not quite we still want that safety blanket of tribalism because it's easy you know but I, I found even reading people I think are fucking morons, you know, and there's a great deal of anarchist schools of thought where I, I started reading this stuff and I'm like, this is just prattle, you know, mm. but <laughs> there's plenty of that. But, um, you know, it, it's if you're not challenging your beliefs, then you're just another useful idiot, you know? Yeah, in my opinion. No, I think that you're right. And we've talked about it before we had a guest on before that's a friend of the show, uh, Jeremiah Harding, where he says, like, you know, you have to you have to kill your idols, you have oh, least, yeah. or at least try to. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. And um, I specifically wanted to ask you about um, <laughs> about how you like this is one of my favorite things to talk about, because it's kind of like getting people through the door. And for me, when I'm trying to get somebody to think about things differently, especially because where we live in Northeastern Ohio, it's pretty red conservative with the exception of the larger cities, right? Like real, like, especially where, where Brian lives and where Christopher lives. I mean, it's, it's rock red conservative folks. They vote Republican straight down the ticket. They probably don't even look at the names. <laughs> They're just like, they see an R and they just hammer away at it. And they think that, that, that's how you end up with a uh, Aria de Mezzo. If you guys are familiar. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I tried to get her on the show and then I found out she got arrested. So that was the end of that. Yeah, we we <laughs> had a we had an interview with the uh the trans anarchist sheriff uh prior, but yeah, that, that that's a bit of a hotbed now. But um sorry I interrupted, but no, that's okay. My but my the way I try to get the conservative minded people to think about this is I asked them, I said, Well, you know, I, you worship the police. You love the cops, right? The cops are going to be here. They are, they are sworn to uphold the law and this, that, and the other thing. And most people have a soft spot, or at least if they're, you know, half decent human beings, a soft spot for animals, you know, dogs want, you know, specifically. And I'm like, do you know that the police shoot 25 dogs a day on average, on average? And that usually gets a visceral reaction. Like, I mean, when I worked on a loading dock, I would argue with the FedEx guy. I said, well, you know, you know, I would shoot a dog. And I said, yeah, but you don't. 
the, 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 the USPS doesn't shoot dogs, and they have far more interactions with dogs, including your competitor UPS. You guys all have the same interactions with dogs. Why is it that you're not killing dogs, but they are? And then you show the videos like from the Free Thought Project, where they're just hopping fences without a warrant and just fucking shooting a dog that's wagging its tail or whatever. And that's usually how I try to get in. Where like, you know, Christopher, uh, you know, our other co-host that you talks about, it's like target, you know, knowing how to talk to your audience, knowing, you know, reading your audience or knowing the person that you're talking to and trying to make inroads there. And I, I know that we, we probably share the same feelings about the police. Is there? Oh, no, I, I'm, a, I'm a big sport. Oh, I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'm sure you are, including that sticker that you have on the drum <laughs> Oh, what, what? Calvin pissing on the thin yes. line? No, he, he's, it, it's, he's pissing with pride. Oh yeah, <laughs> I piss the blue line. <laughs> Do you um? Is there any particular way that you like to at least introduce folks into revolutionary ideas, or at least questioning the programming that they got in public school? Well, I, I mean, it, it is definitely about knowing your audience. So, I mean, there's a billion inroads for that. But you know, again, back to that kind of gun rights anarchist. Uh, my main issue. I generally go with uh, thinking about banned states. So you have, you know, certain states where cops can have, you know, full auto or uh, 30 round magazines if it's a, you know, a magazine banned state, or th there's even places I think where uh, body armor is limited, uh, 50 cal rifles might be limited to civilians. And so there's very few firearms companies that will, there's a few good ones like uh, Barrett in particular who make, you know, the famous 50 cal rifle, they don't sell to, uh, in they don't sell those rifles or service them in california i believe because they because uh, civilians can't have them and so just thinking like when you're talking to a thin blue line kind of gun dude and you're like all right well is it all right for them to have an exemption and you don't like are, are they more the militia than you are are they a a more regulated person than you are <laughs> like right and, and kind of kind of going that route is generally my favorite because once you put kind of that wedge in, because, you know, there is there is a divide. There is they are superior citizens uh, in terms of gun rights and, and a bunch of other things. You know, so once you point out those things and that's kind of the for me, especially that was one of my last hurdles. I was very years ago now, not not recently, but years ago when uh, when I was struggling to kind of cross over from libertarian to anarchist. And I was like, well, I really see very little the state is good at and a lot the abhorrently bad at but we still need them to do the three most important most invasive things you know military courts and cops right. and uh and i it was the daniel shaver shooting that that got me i i saw the video and i saw him you know riddling uh daniel shaver like full auto a couple meters away when the guy was clearly you know fucked up crying and all that mm -hmm. that rocked me to my core and, and and then the whole the whole follow-up where the guy got every excuse in the book for what he did gets you know paid for his ptsd uh you know only a few years older than me and he's he's set for life retired for murdering a civilian it's like okay this is a superior class of citizens and they literally have a license to kill that is fucking insane and and so you show videos like that you you talk about banned states and stuff and, and especially when you're talking about you know um like a self-defense situation and you you compare very legit self-defense situations that have gone you know been dragged through court and caused ordinary people like awful suffering 
cost them tens of thousands of dollars when they would, you know, practicing their basic human right to defend themselves. And a cop can fucking murder someone in broad daylight, you know, shoot a, a six pound puppy and say they were fearing for their life. Nothing. On, oh. on the job two weeks later. Yep. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's my lot. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, also, there's a whole bunch of stuff now. There's videos where it's like a no-knock raid and somebody shoots back because they yep. don't recognize it's the police breaking into their home and they get charged for attempted murder of a police officer. And it's like, they didn't know who was coming in and what did you expect them to do? It's un, it's unbelievable. But people are like, yeah, like they should be charged. And it's like, I don't, it's difficult to try to understand how to get to some people that believe that because it's like, I don't, I don't know what common ground we can find here. Like, I don't know how many people are just like kind of too far gone. Yeah. At that point, I start sending pictures of red coats. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do with you, man. Like, but like I mean, at that, at that point, I always escalated to like, you would have been cheering on the red coats, dude. This has come from a break. Like that's fucking embarrassing and un-American as shit. And when, when you hear them with that stuff, you know, and, and I think, uh, we were talking about this with Kerry Wedler long ago, but um, she, she, she always talks about planting seeds. And I really like that idea. You're not gonna, so many people, when you're talking to them about this stuff, people get very prideful. You know, we get very prideful. Other people get very prideful about their points. It's, it, it can get a little bit heated when you're discussing these things. And, you're, and especially when you're calling like a, you know, a proud patriot, a red coat, they're gonna get a little bit upset. They're not exactly gonna be like, oh yeah, he has a good point. They're gonna be like, fuck you, terrorist, you know, <laughs> anarchist. Uh, but you, you plant those seeds and you let them sit on them. And they might see like, you know, the odd story about the cops crop up or some gun rights stuff crop up. And they, they're gonna be like, yeah, maybe I need to reconsider. And I've, I've definitely got messages from people like months later after like after a discussion or maybe they've just been lurking. Cause I was, you know, this Daniel Shaver thing that's what turned me ages back. I was following an Instagram account called Whiskey and Rebellion, who was very libertarian, outright anarchist, but also used uh, like his profile picture was Thomas Jefferson with a US flag, like a Betsy Ross uh, uh, face mask on. And then um, and it, it was like treading the line between like, yeah, 1776 and fuck the cops, <laughs> which still living in Britain I was like that's awesome but he offended me with the cop meme and it and it would go on for a, a while until I saw this Daniel Shaver thing and I was like oh I get it like these things aren't compatible you can't have your thin blue line flag next to your don't tread on me it doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot though like, it, it it's very surprising <laughs> and it's like do they know is someone gonna tell them like <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's you know, when you talk about banned states, too, and we've talked about it on this show before, I have a I have a close relative that lives in New Jersey, which is, if you know anything, which it is is communist shithole number, you know, probably number two or number one, depending on how you want to rank it between that and California. Um, yeah, it's, it's in the pretty, top pretty five. stiff competition. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah the the, the uh, running for asshole of the country is definitely a tight race between those. <laughs> but I um I went out there in July um, I got sort of like a small, uh, you know, family reunion. And, uh, he asked me, he was like, Hey, um, can you, uh, can you bring some Glock magazines? Uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. Do you want the 33 rounder? Like, what do you want? Like how many rounds? And like, I, you know, I made the mistake of, of, um, uh, saying large capacity. And then my, my friend Christopher had, uh, he says, excuse me, uh, standard capacity of seven. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, no, no, no. If you can find 10 rounds. And I'm like, why? 
Like, I was like, it was like, well, I don't want, I, I don't want to get caught. And I'm like, but are you going to get caught? What, what, what are they going <laughs> to fucking come into your house? They, do, do they even sell 10 round mags in Ohio? Like, Dude, I had to order them and I, from another state and bring them. That's, what I, that's what I thought. Cause I mean, like there would, there would legitimately be absolutely no fucking point for a 10 round mag in Ohio. Well, like, the, the weird thing is they sell them in Arizona. I'm always confused as fuck. Like most gun stores here, even the even the cooler ones who have like NFA items on the wall, they're like, "Oh yeah, here's your ten round mag," and it's like and like limiters and stuff. Because obviously, you know, if a California wants to bring bring someone home, I guess. But right, it's like Jesus, how fucking sad. We should just be like, "Oh, that sucks." Uh, I guess you're you're not bringing a mag home. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was embarrassing. And then he in, he before I left, and he asked, he was like, hey, "If you could find any nine mil." Because, you know, that was a bit dry at the time. And apparently in New Jersey, it was even more dry. And he was like, just make sure it, you know, it's, it's ball ammo. And of course I, we don't use that language here that, that, that's (laughs) like, we we're like, you know, hollow point, right? Because you don't want to hurt the people behind the son of a bitch who's trying to hurt you. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. We, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Frank, I, I understand. I know I, we, you, everybody knows that you motherfuckers can't have hollow points. We know <laughs> so here I am carting two fucking uh, 10 round mags that I had to order out of state and uh, FMJs uh, for my relative uh, because, you know, and by the way, I don't know. I've talked about this before. Maybe, maybe not. So there's shall issue. And uh, by the way, I, again, I'm, this is we all agree that the state is garbage and there's levels to how garbage it can be by where you live. Right. So most states are shall issue your concealed carry permit. And most of them are now finally coming around to, there is no permit. It's permitless because that's should be the default. That's the standard. That's the way it should be. It's a natural right, regardless of if it's written on a goddamn piece of paper, it doesn't matter. Well, New Jersey is may issue. And they may fucking issue it to nobody. Nobody gets one. <laughs> and before I went out there, BR, my, my aunt, she got a hold of me. And she says, listen, I know you carry. Do not come to New Jersey with your weapon. Because if you get pulled over, you are going to jail for a long time. And she cited, I totally forgot about it. There was a lady that was in Pennsylvania that had a carry permit and and forgot that the weapon was because you know because it becomes almost like an accessory it's like car keys wallet gun you just that's how i mean that's how that's how you know regular people you know function it's just part of what you bring with you she crossed over new jersey got pulled over and i think fucking trump had to help her get out because they're going to put her in jail for like between four to seven years now she hasn't hurt anybody. She didn't commit any like crime as far as like hurting anybody, right? The cops, to show you how evil they are, they could if the cop was de- like a, like a human, we're like, all right, just fucking turn around and get out of here before somebody else finds out that you're here, and then we have to do something about it. Oh no no no, no, they arrested her fucking ass, and we're gonna throw her probably into East Penitentiary or uh, in New Jersey, where I mean, like that's not a f- jail in New Jersey might be like jail in new mexico or mexico rather like it's bad <laughs> like you don't want to go to jail in new jersey i mean anywhere's bad Yeah, you can't pump your own gas in jail there man i couldn't fucking believe that <laughs> I'm in the, dude i'm in the car and i get out and i get my little piece of plastic out i'm about to fill up the tank and the guy comes up, excuse me can i help you i go no no no, i got it and he goes, no 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 like i, I I'll, I'll fill it up how much do you want i'm like oh that's <laughs> right I can't even fill up my own fucking gas tank. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, 
we couldn't get out of there fast enough. And I told my relative, I was like, you know what, man, someday you really got to consider getting out of that fucking communist shithole. But family kind of ties people to, you know, the place that they live. Well, I couldn't live there. I don't give a fuck who lived there. I'd be like, sorry. I, <laughs> it's, it's the garden state is hardly a garden. It's, it's really, really awful. Um, but um, yeah, man, planting seeds. I, I like that phrase. And, I think if you can, you know, like, again, that's always my inroad is the dogs, because I can't even get people to think about the cops murdering regular human beings like Daniel Shaver or Breonna Taylor. OK, and I believe her boyfriend was one of the people uh, that uh, Brian was talking about who shot back because yep. it was a no knock. Yeah. And they had the wrong house, too, didn't they, for that one? Yeah. Yeah. They had, it was all it, none of that shit was supposed to happen. And he sh and they tried to get him for attempted murder, I'm pretty sure. And then and it's they, all character assassination. They're like, oh, he was a drug dealer. And like, they were doing all this shit. And it's like, oh, like, and that sways everybody. Because they're like, oh, drugs are bad. But ugh, it's just a nightmare. Well, they were only prosecuted for the bullets that missed, if I remember correctly. Like, the, the only thing they were punished for was the bullets that missed Breonna Taylor. Isn't that Jeez. something? Isn't That's it? a hell of a fucking thing. Jesus Christ almighty. What a country. Um, and then... <laughs> And then the cop, it, it, like, he, he no, obviously nothing happened. And then he gets fucking lit up on Twitter by people. I mean, which, again, Twitter's really not a real thing. And then people, he's like, well, would you say that to my, like, we need to start saying this shit to their faces, not just electronically. Like, the, the son of a bitch that murdered uh, Daniel Shaver, he's still on, what is it? The, is it Mesa, Arizona Police Department that that's where he gets mm -hmm. his pension through? Yeah, they moved him like a, they moved him like a priest. Like, they just shuffle him around <laughs> a little bit and hope everybody forgets the atrocities. Like, that one was tough to watch, man. It's tough to watch every single time. Or is it, um, there's a fellow that Kelly, I forget his last name. Um, uh, the homeless guy. Oh God. Crying for his dad. While yeah. Why they, why they, why they literally beat the fuck out of him. Like that was like the pictures of his face afterwards were horrendous. It was like, they were just mercilessly beating him. Yeah, I, I can't even, if I'm honest, I very rarely watch those anymore. I'm so, I, I, there was a point where I was like, am I just getting desensitized? And I was like, no, these just, these, these are eroding my soul every single time. Every single fucking new one I watch, I'm like, yeah, killing, you killing an innocent person. Lose a little more hope for humanity with each one that you see. Yeah, it's fucking draining. Yeah, that it is draining. I know that Angel, uh, who is the boss of this show, she stopped watching that stuff because it's it's just too much to a point. Yeah, you know? it's way it's way too hard for me to um, watch those things and not be emotionally affected by it. Like I'll cry, and it just it's really hard to watch somebody who's struggling and they're clearly trying to like comply, but they're scared and they're fighting so many different things in that moment. And your body automatically puts you into a position where you're in fight or flight mode. And sometimes it just takes over and they end up getting killed. And it's because there really isn't any proper procedure actually happening. And it's terrible. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. And it is it is a tragedy and it happens. And, like you know, we talked about, you know, what would happen with George Floyd. 
we were just fortunate that somebody was there to catch it on film because otherwise it would have been shuffled into the never-ending deck of stories that someone didn't comply or they were fighting or whatever the case may be. And even then, the bootlicker still showed up to say, well, you know, he wasn't a good person. He, he was, you know, it's like, I don't give a fuck what he did the day before. What he was doing then didn't warrant being murdered. I, I mean, I just, I don't know how people can do the mental gymnastics it must be exhausting to be a bootlicker i mean you have to really work hard to justify <laughs> awful shit every single day i mean i don't know if i don't know if the gestapo had those problems during the second world war like oh another tough fucking day at the office i mean we had to arrest more jews you know it's just you know i i, I don't i don't know how people can live with themselves and i think that you know i don't know br if you heard the phrase like how did you become an anarchist how long does it take rather and it's six like months, six months. And I became a, a libertarian party member like in 2015. And by early 2016, I was fucking off the reservation. <laughs> I was gone. I couldn't do it anymore. And it took me a long time. Like I started out as a hardcore Marxist in high school because I was. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, we had this thing called Youth and Government Day. Uh, you want to talk about a rigged election? So here I am, like a Marxist-Leninist, like hardcore, like I, I literally telling, I, we, I, there's a, a rich part of, of uh, wealthy, I should say, rich, uh, very, uh, not even bourgeoisie, like above that. They are definitely the ruling class. And they, um, it's, a, it's a town called Bath. It's a township, actually. And I had friends that lived there, and they were wearing like Che Guevara shirts from Rage Against the Machine. And I would tell them, like, I don't think you understand, like, we're going to kill you and your parents. And that's what Che <laughs> would have wanted. Like, we're going to take your shit. Like, you're playing for my team, but you don't realize you're not on my team. Like, I was that guy. And we did, had this thing called Youth and Government Day, and I ran for mayor. And all of the kids voted for me, and they've rigged the fucking election so that I wouldn't be in the mayor's seat for Youth and Government Day because they had, they had the, like, the, the, the fucking regular the local newspaper come out, and there was, like, you know, CCTV <laughs> and shit. And I was getting ready to, like, give a speech on, like, the proletariat and all this, and they fixed the election so I couldn't do it. And they, they made me the clerk of courts, and then I, I abstained. I was like, I'm not showing up for this because this election was rigged. It is false. The CIA is involved. <laughs> we were overthrown. It's true. And uh, but like I made my way like it's funny because then I started I was working 40 hours a week at this uh, retail place called TJ Maxx. Right. And I was working as a dock worker. And then I would drive. I would work from I would go to school at university from 650 in the morning to 930. And then I would drive to work. And then work till 530 in the afternoon and then drive back to school to do like my, uh, my my nighttime classes so I could, you know, I was trying to wrap up a degree. And then I kept looking at my paycheck and I was making at the time, this was 22 years ago, I was making $6.50 an hour. And I would look at the taxes. And that's what really kicked it off for me. I was like, why the fuck am I getting extorted for all this money? Like, I'm busting my ass trying to do something with my life. And I know motherfuckers are sitting around right now, you know, benefiting from this, right? So, like, that starts to move you a little bit to the, to the right side of this spectrum. And then eventually I became, like, an embarrassing conservative, like a really <laughs> ridiculous human being. Like, you know, I, I was a Pat Buchanan guy. Like I was like, you know, I was like, oh no, this is what the founding fathers would have wanted. And, you know, even though completely ignoring the fact that they were revolutionaries to a certain degree. And then I became a libertarian. And within, within six months, I was like, this is all fucking stupid. Like we need to burn all of this shit down. It's gotta go. 
no fucking way you know what i mean and the funny thing is is like i was a punk rocker as a kid like i loved the angelic upstarts uk subs like i mean i loved yeah. all of that shit and i don't know why it like i was like a fucking raging communist you, i don't know if you heard of um the band the redskins not the fucking football team guys <laughs> there was a band called the redskins and the hoi polloi and they talked about like fighting uh Nikki Crane and um, the guys from fucking Screwdriver in the streets and all this other crazy shit over there. And I was listening to like left, like hard left punk rock, but like not catching on to the actual message of like anarcho punk. I, I guess I missed the boat on that. But it's funny how you make the journey, at least for me, because I went from one side of the spectrum. And if somebody would have sat down with me as an anarchist when I was 20, it would have been like that that uh, meme that you see from the Kangaroo co- uh, Chronicles. It's like, what are you? I'm an anarchist when the, kangar- and the kangaroo says, oh, I'm a communist. We can be friends until the revolution. After that, <laughs> it gets difficult. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but it's it's just, I'm curious to see how that works for people. Now, here's a good question for you. Did you, if you learned anything of value, what was it that you could use every day or in, you find it applicable in your life from your time at Sandhurst? Um, hmm, that's a good one. I mean, disassembling an SAAT is useless everywhere, including, <laughs> including the British Army, because it's, it's a useless fucking rifle. But um, I, the, the main thing was uh, it, it gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of leadership ability, and I'm kind of using it for evil, uh, I guess, <laughs> or at, least, at least in their eyes. Um, no, it, it really helped me get my shit together, because uh, <clears throat> growing up, with with the ideas I had, they were so accidental and alien. It, it was a little bit hard to feel confident joining in a group or something, and then kind of going through, um, you know, their leadership courses and stuff. I and then and then coming out the other end, like, oh, I fucking hate this too. But I kind of was indifferent to that fact. I was kind of like, oh well, at least I know I can do shit now. <laughs> you right. know, I, I I felt capable because I've been, you know, like in the field and it's all fucking training but you're still out in the british winter with nothing but you know a tarp and the what you brought in on your back so it it was definitely some good confidence building and kind of uh kind of reassured me that i was a a bit more useful than i might have thought and with that i was like oh well um i'm pretty self-sustaining i'm gonna (laughs) move to i'm gonna move to the u.s fuck it (laughs) so you know it, it gave i think it it gave me the the boost I needed to move on with my life as a individual, you know, going through, going through a process that was meant to turn me into like a good collectivist. Generally, I, I always end up spat out uh, the inverse with these things. So <laughs> it, it did its job. Same thing with public school. That's uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I know that I'm Brian. I probably interrupted you at some point in time. I know that you wanted to ask questions, so please go ahead. Oh, uh, well, let's see. There were a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Uh, I mean, with such a big move, not only in ideology, but also like geographically speaking, like a halfway across the world. Uh, did this ever at any point isolate you from, I don't know how close you were with your family or like any groups of friends that you have. And I, was that hard for you? And like, what kind of kept you going if you were going through any turmoil related to those issues? That's a good question. I haven't been asked that one before. Um, I'm very close to my my immediate family like my wider my wider British family are kind of I love them but they're boring as shit and they'll never change and they they have they have like nothing to do with this world they 
you know, oh, I got my jab. When are you, you know, when, when are you getting yours and flying over? I'm, I'm just like, that's okay. Yep. Enjoy. Uh, but, but, but my, my, my immediate family, very close to, so um, leaving them was difficult. Uh, I, you know, especially I, I thought I'd be able to fly back, you know, every year or two. And right. then, and then COVID kicked off and kind of right as it was time to, to make a trip back. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't able to, so that's been really difficult. Um, and, you know, kind of this, uh, this age of authoritarianism and kind of that they're going balls to the wall, clamping down, um, knowing that we're going to be going through tougher times. It's going to be probably harder in the future to move between countries, uh, you know, just traveling potentially. It's, it's a little bit concerning, but when I, when I think about that, it is, a big sacrifice and, and same thing with friends like you know it it sucks restarting but at the same time i was never going to compromise my lifestyle and my beliefs to appease others or even to appease myself and appeal to you know the the path of least resistance because that felt like living a lie it felt like living a, a dishonest way of you know what i see as actual life so it was worth it was worth the struggle and it was worth overcoming those things to live um to live a life where i felt like i could put down roots and i was actually investing in my future instead of you know waiting for a time i could maybe live a more free lifestyle and so um yeah it, it was it was a hell of a fucking tumble from conservatarian to you know agorist <laughs> but we Absolutely. got that we got that and kind of i once i moved here was when i started to uh, to get into the agorism thing and uh, that kind of mindset of, you know, we're not we're not trying to make the world we want to live in. We are just living in that world, you know, with the hopes of advancing that for for everyone. You know, um, that was definitely something that made things. They they helped me keep my sanity. You know, <laughs> like knowing knowing that the lifestyle I wanted was uh, a hell of a lot more attainable over here than it would be in the UK, but. Yeah, it, it was definitely, definitely not easy. And it still isn't easy because it's been about three years now since I've seen some very close family um, in person uh, just because of COVID shit and, and time and stuff. But right. Yeah. <laughs> the world we live in. Oh, absolutely. And then kind of rolling from that you said we were talking earlier about like the different camps of thought along uh like the liberty or different cars on the liberty train basically and how it's kind of easy to fall into those groups i mean would you say uh do you think like the isolation of being far from friends and family kind of like plays more of a factor in that like makes it easier to fall in because you feel the sense of belonging to something even if uh you're not so sure that you see eye to eye, but like maybe you're more willing to tolerate that kind of a thing because of how isolated you feel. Uh, Damn, like, I, is that I, something I, you experienced or sitting in the therapist chair now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, like no, it's it's a good question. Like uh, when I first got here, the the you know while well, I was still looking for a job and shit and figuring things out, um, like yeah, the community was definitely something that helped me acclimatized and I, i've met you know local people like I, I one of the first uh groups of people from the community i met up with was the uh buying the bullet podcast lads because they were you know local down in arizona too yeah. so uh it, it's definitely definitely helped me 
settle in knowing that there was actual community and people who were you know not because there's very few british libertarians of value in my opinion and anarchists <laughs> i there's some don't get me wrong but most of them are stuck talking about euro trash nonsense and not the important stuff so talking to i i feel like american anarchists have their head screwed on a little bit better <laughs> with um in terms of lifestyle and stuff which is what matters in my opinion so uh definitely felt yeah like you know that whole finding your tribe thing was a lot easier over here and uh things like childerberg you know down in texas and not not these you know lp gatherings but the more the more organic uh social gatherings this community has has definitely uh definitely helped you know feel at home and and uh make connections and shit all right excellent i i do have a question for you man like this is I know this might be a tough one for a lot of folks, but what, like, if you had to pick one, what do you think is like your favorite virtue? Uh, maybe whether it be in yourself or in someone else or something that you like a virtue that you hold in the highest regard. Hmm. <laughs> that, that is a fucking difficult one. Um, I think, I think being straight up about uh, changing your opinion that is I, I don't know what the what the clean cut label for that virtue would be but being open about um you know your your opinions on things might change and your ideas might evolve like some people they want to be this all-knowing always right never make a mistake ideologue and that is fucking terrifying to me because once you plug in that ego and you're afraid of you know people pointing and being like oh well you fucked up here or oh you, you don't know everything yeah, if you don't have that humility, I oh, I guess there is humility. I I am the most <laughs> the most uh, humile. What the fuck is that word? Otherwise, <laughs> the, humble, <laughs> maybe humble. Would there you humble? go. <laughs> See, tr trying to sound like I got a better vocabulary than I do. <laughs> uh, I I was mainly fucking around, mainly. You're in company. Uh, I always forget how to say. I'll be reading a word, and I'm like, my brain sometimes just doesn't let me pronounce it properly. So you're in good company. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, no, no, having humility about like, you know, changing your opinion and and all that kind of thing. There's there's a lot of people who they want to look like they've had the same ideas for 20 years, even though they were, they were voting Republican, you know, four years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's all right to, to be like, I'm new to this. I don't know everything. And, you know, my opinions aren't consistent yet. I'm still figuring shit out. There's a lot of people who are at that stage, but are afraid of, uh, you know, being ridiculed or, or, or I mean, and, and it's fair because libertarians, we are fucking vicious. We will jump on someone uh, at the best of times and rip someone's throat out for having a shit take on something. But, you know, I, I think part of learning is being open to that, that whole process. So you know, humility, openness to changing your ideas. That's, that's how we learn shit. Why do you think it is that people try to, I guess, whitewash their past or pretend like they were always at this level? Like, I, I, I'll never understand that. Like, do they just, is it a desire to be just, I, no, I've been right the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, what is it about people not being able to own their bad fucking ideas? <laughs> um, I get, that's a difficult one too, man. I mean, shame. <laughs> shame. Yeah. I mean, if I, I guess it makes it harder to do that whole echo chamber thing where you can point and laugh at people because it's like half you know most of the people that we point and laugh at 
we can see ourselves in. Like every time I, I look at a bootlicker, I'm like, yep, I did that. I I've complimented a, a thin blue line patch before. Like fucking God help me. But I, I was there. I didn't have a fucking clue. And you know, a lot of people they are at that point and they need they don't need 16 libertarians jumping down their throat calling them an idiot. They need people like, you know, providing some ideas, letting them stew and see what happens, plant those seeds. But so many people they they don't want to allow that because it's it's kind of uh, instant gratification to just be like, oh, look at this fucking idiot, you know, roast him, destroy him, move on, clout gained, you know. But what does that do for the movement then? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> like it alienates people oh, that yeah. may have otherwise been open to your point of view. Oh, yeah, but we've all done it, right? You know, we've, oh, we've, yeah. all, we, we've all seen an idiot and be like, look at this fucking guy, rather than be like, actually, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, not saying we have to libertarian explain everything and, and be ultra, you know, welcoming and never jump down someone's throat because there are some bad takes that deserve good roast. But, <laughs> you know, like just kind of balance and knowing your audience and, and knowing, knowing when it's worthwhile. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I just always was curious about that because, you know, there's so many people that I mean, I, I've interacted with personally that just can't own the fact that they had shit ideas. And I thought that <laughs> Like, you know, part of having good character, at least, is knowing when you fucked it up, right? Be like, hey, I fucked it up. I got it wrong. Like, I, I tell people all the time, I'm a recovering Marxist, man. Like, it doesn't get any <laughs> fucking dirtier than me. Like, I'm, I, was, I was hanging out with, I, with people who definitely had blood on their hands. You know what I mean? Some really, really bad ideas. So it's okay to get it wrong. And I think also you know, people don't give themselves enough credit when, you know, especially, I, I mean, I, whether I can't speak to, uh, you know, public school uh, you know, in other countries, but here, I mean, the programming starts very fucking early. It's oh, exactly right. Yeah. So, and it's hard to deep, like, you know, Brian uh, is the youngest person in our group and he figured it out way the fuck before I did. I mean, it, t it took me a long time to shake off that, that uh, fucking salute the flag and trust people with, in, in costumes and do what they tell you and, you know, work within the system and all that happy horseshit that we all know is absolutely blatant nonsense. Like it, none of it is true. None of it is, is, is functional for you to use as avenues for change at all. And uh, it's, starts when you're in kindergarten you know the idea of not standing up for the pledge of allegiance when i was in high school they would they would fucking put you in detention for that shit now kids are like i'm not fucking standing up and i'm not you know things are changing at least in a direction where it's like it's a piece of cloth like you need to fucking relax just a little bit but <laughs> there are people who will fucking go ape shit over not oh, yeah. taking over taking off your hat at a fucking ball game or stuff like that and, and well, like think about how weird that shit is anyway that it exists it's like i want to know when they started do like at a ball game it's like you have to do the national anthem it's like that doesn't strike anybody as weird but like i don't know if it's just because i tripped balls once and thought about it and i was like oh that is kind of a weird <laughs> thing to do at a football game or something like why do we do that like but you ask other people and they're just like what like why wouldn't we do that we've always done that and it's just like that's it's so fucking bizarre and it's just like one of those things I don't know how to break down, but it just doesn't, once it, I don't know, like I hate using the matrix as a reference where it's like, once you see things a certain way, like you can't go back, you will forever see it as this new thing now. And it's like, I, I just don't get it, man. Yeah. I, go ahead. I, I, I think, yeah, that's a weird thing about the States. Cause there's not quite as much like to get back to 
you know, comparing and contrasting, Britain really doesn't have that flag worship as much. Like, it's only very nationalist, um, like certain kinds of voters, like, you know, old football hooligan types who are right wing, who will get pissed off about U- the Union Jack being mistreated. Apart from that, it's like, eh, we don't really give a shit, mate. Like, it's not a big deal. But <laughs> over here, there's like, you know, 50% of the population will curb stomp you for it. And the other half are like, no, 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 it's, it's fine to pour gasoline on it and burn it in the street. <laughs> <laughs> right. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, here's a question that I have for you. Okay, this is a two-part VR. I really want. I really want to. I, I'm. I'm very curious. <laughs> Favorite characters in history, maybe two of them, and who do you think is the most vile character in American history? Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. So, what was the first one? The most first- interesting. Yeah, your favorite characters from history. It could be any. It could be any two that you think are fantastic from any point in time, from anywhere in the world. Jesus Christ! Two um, winners for me, my man. I'm looking at my bookshelf and I'm like, I can't decide. Um, hmm. I def- definitely would have got wanted to get into the uh, into the brain of uh, damn, what's his name? Nest- Nestor Makhno, the. Uh, leader of the ukrainian black army so the anarchist during the uh you know that whole time period the russian revolution yeah this yeah yeah yep i know who you mean exactly yep okay that's a good one i mean so right now you know to be to be semi-topical uh we're seeing ukrainian anarchist groups pop up in 2022 and they're they're kind of echoing the sentiments of of um the original black army and i'm like i wonder what it must have been to have been a leader of such a radical you know way of doing of, of living during a time when empires were changing so drastically and, and warfare was like changing so so crazily and also they weren't just soldiers they had you know a whole all their families and shit and they were semi-nomadic and like what a fucking wild way to do things out in eastern europe i i don't know they they um they also like pioneered things like uh what is it like gatling guns on horse-drawn buggies and shit like uh, early technicals like really <laughs> fucking cool i would have loved to to have sat down with a, a notebook and uh you know have him on the podcast <laughs> but, um so he he would definitely be an interesting one ah I'm trying to think who else <laughs> maybe, maybe uh Mm-hmm. there's better answers for sure but just just on right now in the minute um i would have loved to have talked to william powell as well the author of the anarchist cookbook because he was an angry young man in the 70s i guess and you know put this this book together that you know all forbidden knowledge that was actually a lot of it from government manuals and stuff mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. um and i was and still am putting together what I consider a spiritual successor to his book, which would be, you know, kind of um, small unit tactics and stuff f- with an anarchist mindset for the everyman, like written for the everyman, but um, with a bit more, a bit more theory and peaceful, not harmless mentality plugged into it. But he was just, he was just an angry young dude. And then he later went on to disavow everything he wrote down like a pussy. So yeah. I would, I would love to sit down with, <clears throat> like angry young man William Powell and older William Powell and and discuss what the fuck happened because <laughs> <laughs> nothing terrifies me more than former anarchists like when I see an old man who's like I used to think that way and then 
now I because uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw um, was it American Anarchist? There was a documentary on yes on Netflix. Okay. Yep, I yeah, yeah. Saw it. Now he's so bourgeois in the yeah. south of France. It's like, what happened to you, dude? Yep, he, calling up uh, that one wretched Californian uh, Democrat or whatever. Not Pelosi, but another one. Boxer. I don't know. Like, one of the one of the wrinkly old gun control ladies, but. Oh, Feinstein, um, Feinstein. Oh, yeah, yes, fi- yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that cool, fucking like, right, old witch. <laughs> writing, a, writing a literal witch, uh, a letter. <laughs> to, like, from the author of the Anarchist Cookbook, I'm so qualified to talk on this. I am absolutely in your corner with gun control. I was like, what a fucking gutless. Like, he didn't have a fucking clue what he was doing, clearly, from the, from the start. He was just angry. Yep. There was no f- thought process to it, or theory, or anything, you know? Well, who was it? Was it President Truman that was talking about the dangers of the CIA? And then the next day he was like, oh, I take it all back because like someone <laughs> paid him a visit. Like, do you think it was something like that or like some big brother kind of shit where like 1984 at the end, Winston's like, oh, like I love big brother now because like they showed me what they could actually do to me kind of a thing. You know, I'd never thought about that, but kind of his where he is in life, the whole, you know, bourgeoisie, south of France thing. I, I tend to think he probably just chilled the fuck out and you know he, he started his wine collection started enjoying the finer things in life and just wimped out in the end but no, no not too too not terribly great historic examples i think i think uh nestor would definitely be the the better interview um oh and then uh penny uh penny rambo from uh crass who is still alive and i would still love to interview but i'm too much of a wimp to send him a message because i i can't face rejection from um, the, drum, the drummer of Crass, but he's another one who, you know, an old anarchist who's still living his life, still um, still doing the thing he set out to do, um, you know, making art and and uh, still, they still have their squatted mansion in, in rural England. Um, I'd definitely love to talk to him about that. And uh, I, I mean, you know, being punk rock guys, you, you ever hear about the story of uh, Crass um, splicing together audio of thatcher and reagan and it sounded like they were going to kick off world war three yeah yeah really you know i heard that from i think it was gavin mckinnis at some point in time had talked about it because oh no no i think you're right yeah yeah he was a huge he still is a huge crass fan i mean he does have some you know ideas once again that i i don't jive with but like he always talked about uh crass and then he gave that example yeah you're absolutely right yeah so I, I would love to get into, I don't, I don't know who in the band was the mastermind behind that, but I'd love to talk to whoever was most involved with that because apparently the, you know, the KGB contacted them and wanted to, wanted to chat with them in London and they, they didn't want to be included, but um, <laughs> I just, just discussing that shit would be fucking grand. But um, so that, that, that was, that was three, but what was the, what was the last one? Last part of that question? The last part of that question was, um, who do you feel is the most vile person in uh, in American history? Oof, in American history. Damn. I mean, that there's a lot of wrong answers for that because there's always there's always a worse bastard. Um, maybe maybe George Washington. <laughs> that's, that's, that's I was gonna. I was hoping, like, I definitely was hoping to hear fucking Woodrow Wilson. I'm like, please, <laughs> please say Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> I don't know. We fucked up a lot earlier than that, man. I mean, You're right about that. 
like turning on your own veterans who defeated the British and being like, hey, uh, you know, you guys are making a decent living in our nice free country on that that tax. Oh, that whiskey you're making. We want to tax the fuck out of you for that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's some evil fucking shit. Mm-hmm. 100%. You're right. And let me ask you this. You brought up Powell and the anarchist cookbook and then, you know, how he got soft and now enjoys wearing like sweater vests you know, with, a, with a turtleneck in the south of France, swilling wine. The cardigan sweater. <laughs> Do you think that there's like an element of like Tyler Durden there where it's never be complete? Like, don't allow yourself to be complete. You know what I mean? Because that's the first thing I thought of was like, this dude lost it. Like you lost the edge. Now, I mean, I'm not talking about hitting the gym every day, but at least keeping it in your mind, you know, being that revolutionary thinker in your mind for the rest of your life. Maybe it's because not a lot of revolutionaries get a chance to fucking retire. Um, (laughs) Like legitimately that's, that is a thing that scares me. Cause I mean, on the one hand we have, uh, you know, we've got several thousand people who call themselves Duncan Lemp because we have had some of ours fucking killed, you know? And that is something I think about where I'm like, am I going to get to be that, you know, frizzy bearded, old anarchist who who writes those books or are we are we entering a time period where you know more and more of us are going to get their fucking doors kicked in and shop so i like to think i'll i'll weather this strange period of you know what i consider the death throes of the state um the early death throes at least um but i i think you can i think you can have a complete life personally i mean we see so many people now entering this uh, homesteading and intentional community kind of mindset and uh, you know that's that's the most complete anarchist rather than someone who has a you know a costco membership and lives in the city someone who's independent and sustaining themselves and you know they don't fucking think of the state because they're living independent of it for the most part you know like i don't think you lose your edge when you are plugging in so wholeheartedly to that lifestyle so i think you can i think you can have a wine collection i think you can have some sweater vests and still fly the black flag you know <laughs> that's that's my long-term goal i hope to be that frizzy head you know frizzy bearded old anarchist wily go, old coot <laughs> fuck yeah sing on my porch with my lady black flag flying on the you know edge of my property you know that's that's the dream i and i i hope that's a dream for a lot of people rather than being either a, another name and a long name of of victims of the state or or you know going soft and being like well you know if we just voted republican then we have some of our freedoms like <laughs> we've also seen a great deal bending to just take an absolute milk toast turn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah like i've decided i'm boring and uh, I no longer want to be relevant. Thank you for your time. <laughs> right. Great way. Just gonna sit here and drink some Chardonnay with my sweet cardigan. Yeah, like killer dude. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> now here's a question for you. You brought up uh, Macno and the Black Army. That without them and their efforts to defeat um, the white, the whites, uh, the white army and the czars, uh, you know, the loyalists, the royalists during the Russian Civil War, the Bolsheviks probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, keep power, or at least, you know, uh, so, you know, subdue Ukraine or, you know, take it over. And as a result of that, the black army paid because the Bolsheviks killed all of his fucking officers and he ended up dying in France because yeah. he had to fucking leave. Um, the question here I have, this is, a you know, and again, this is, I would never, ever do a gotcha, but I really want to know what you think. There is some serious fucking divide 
in the liberty community over the situation, the war, the invasion that is happening in Ukraine, because you have some folks who are like literally saying, well, you know, I hate NATO so goddamn much that I'm going to root for Vladimir Putin, which I don't think is the right answer. And I also don't think uh, rooting for NATO or overthrowing Ukraine's government or whatever the fuck the CIA did in 2014 is the right thing either. But I, I can't help but feel at least a, a strong connection when I see a mother holding hands with her little girl with that AK slung over her shoulder because she's ready to fucking fight for her, her child and her, her home. I can't help but feel, you know, what if that was, you know, what if that was my wife? You know, what if that yeah. was my sister? You know what I mean? Like I, and then when you like, you brought up the fact that there's, there's like black and red anarchists, there's pictures that we, we can follow them on Twitter. You can follow them on, on Facebook and, or, or excuse me, Instagram these are ancoms like these are not you know i i would go to the barbecue but i don't think i would stay for dessert like i would hang out and say hi and, um, like i don't have a problem with them but i would be afraid that at some point in time they would have a problem with me but they're fighting alongside the ukrainian army and apparently uh the entire fourth reich is in uh in <laughs> yeah no seriously and and so it's it's one of these situations i i called a i, I mean it's definitely simplifying the situation a little bit, but I call it, you know, Syria for white people. It's it's a fucking disaster. Over, I guess not anymore with the Chechens getting involved, but um, like it it's not as simple as you know NATO versus Russia or good versus bad or some shit. Like, you know, NATO has done some fucked up imperialistic shit. Russia has done some fucked up imperialistic shit. Uh, Russian conscripts are not. The Russian government, and they're, they're a bunch of fucking eighteen-year-olds who thought they were going on a training exercise and are now getting gunned down in the street because they've done like you know eight weeks of small unit tactics, and then uh, and getting blown apart in fucking tanks and lit on fire because they're, they're just driving in a straight line past ambushes and stuff. And then you've got you know the uh, Ukrainian volunteers who are like, "I just fucking live here, dude," <laughs> and you're sh you're shelling where my kid goes to school and all of that so yeah i'm gonna fucking shoot you and i think that is a very valid fucking response so i think people people always get caught up in that tribalism again people like to choose their teams because it's the easiest way to you know take in a situation and it, obviously it's a bit more fucking complex than that war always is and when you when you get these takes like oh yeah ukraine good russia bad or, or the inverse it's like you're that's not really a complete opinion when you're talking about war like these citizens have all sorts of different opinions on what their government is doing. And even, even the Ukrainian separatists down, you know, on the border of Russia, there, there was, a, was for sure a diplomatic way to discuss that, to discuss people feeling more like they were Russians than Ukrainians. But, you know, CIA fuckery, Russian fuckery, Ukraine fuckery has turned it into a, a great proxy war for, you know, various people to make money from and influence and all that shit. But I, it, it's really fucking strange when you see, um, so these anarchist uh, accounts that we're talking about and, and, and groups, um, you see other anarchists say like, oh, you guys are just Nazis. You guys are fascists, not real anarchists. And like ANCOMs talking to ANCOMs. And, and it's, it's like, because, because of, you know, the Azov Battalion and, and the various neo-Nazi elements within the Ukrainian government, they seem to think it's, it's as easy as, as that to paint their fellow anarchists who are risking life and limb actually getting off their ass, even foreign fighters uh, volunteering uh, to go to Ukraine and fight with other anarchists. Um, they're calling them Nazis because it's, 
it's easier. They're, they're still stuck in that tribalistic mentality. And so, you know, you'll see our variety of anarchists talking to, and, and you know, supporting these anarchists over, and other ANCOM anarchists supporting these guys mm-hmm. who see past that tribalistic, and then you see people stuck in it. So, you know, there's only so much you can do for it, but um, the, there will always be people who fall into the divide and conquer shit. And there's the people who see past it and see individuals and, and people. And that's, you know, that's always going to be a thing. You're always going to be the people, see the people that get, who fall into the collectivized mindset. But uh, there's definitely, definitely worthwhile ANCOMs who see beyond that shit, you know? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Like, we, we have the same opinion on it. And I, for one, don't understand why, the, you know, for, for a bunch of people who get pissed off at binary thinking, for this sort of binary thinking to be the dominant uh, mindset amongst so many people who brought individuals into the liberty movement, to, who, who introduced them to lowercase libertarianism and, and anarchism. Yeah. Like, it's, it's actually quite sad to see this happen. I mean, there's the, the only people who really suffer that, like you said, like, it's not just the, I feel bad for the, like, you pointed it out exactly. I, it's not just the Ukrainian people that I feel bad for. It's the fucking 19-year-old conscript who doesn't want to be there. He would rather be doing Christ only knows what, maybe hanging out with his family or doing something far more productive than getting fucking absolutely decimated. Because like you said, they had, you know, five weeks of training. And next thing you know, they're riding right into a fucking ambush and they're getting yeah. the javelin or an in-law or whatever. Like, you know, and it's only going to get progressively worse. It's only, and you know, once again, the, the, the common people, the, uh, the, you know, the regular human beings are always the ones who pay the price for this warmongering shit. And it's terrible. There's, you're absolutely right. There's bad guys all over this thing. And then there's people who actually are trying to make a difference because, you know, they're fighting for, you know, you know like you said, like the, the, the ANCOM groups that are going over there and, you know, the, these volunteers. It is a weird thing that you do have a Jewish Ukrainian president who has the, the Azov, was it a battalion or brigade? Like these straight up fucking Nazis. Who yeah, are- and it's not just Azov. There's like a few other brigades or battalions, I forget which, um, that are also, you know, aligned with that whole thing. So it's, it's a sizable element and you keep on seeing pictures posted where they have, you know, like black sun patches and stuff and all sorts yeah. of and you're like jesus fucking christ guys like you can't even airbrush that out <laughs> really can you tone it down for just <laughs> there's cameras <laughs> like, it's a great publicity hell. stunt man like when's the better time all the eyes are on you no you're right you're right absolutely <laughs> like when, when you see you know a, a guy with a black sun patch helping a woman and her daughter get away from you know incoming fire it, it fucking looks good for him so no wonder they're chucking that show on but yeah, it, hell of a fucking mess. And to 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 think it's so easy as to chuck a Ukrainian flag in your bio and be like, "Yep, I am on the right side of history." Like, all right, <laughs> sure, sure thing, bud. Yeah, sure thing. Whatever you say. <laughs> I love you support it. the current thing. That's all you yeah, gotta do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They they would have been saying like, "Hey, they hit our fucking aircraft carrier in, in Vietnam." <laughs> we need a no-fly zone over vietnam yesterday fucking torch the place torch their jungles those people are fucking animals it's not a war it's a conflict come on yep, yep. <laughs> yeah i support lbj of course i always did yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah that's it's the same level of thinking um brian i know i interrupted you and went on a tirade did i did you have anything else <laughs> oh i don't i don't even remember um I mean, let me see. Uh, 
I mean, I had some like interesting thought we a while ago touched on like nationalism and public schools and everything and the, the whole like dying of the rebellious nature or it, it seems like in America it's kind of been diminished over time. And I don't know if anybody else kind of shares this opinion, but I was thinking of it almost as the way like public school teaches you about the government in American history. It's almost like Christ dying for the sins of people in Christianity. <laughs> it's like, oh, they went. So now that I don't have to, and it's like, you kind of get to rest on your laurels. And it's like, they do that, even though you had no part in any of this, and you just happened by circumstance to be born in this country, they really do make you feel like you earned it in a way. And it's like, yeah, like the government is the same now as it was back then. And it's like, they did all this stuff, so we don't have to. And like, if there ever were going to be any tyrants, like they would tell us, they would tell <laughs> us who they were. And like, we would know exactly what to do because it's all the same and it hasn't changed over 200 plus years. And it's just like, I know so many people that think like that or they're like, they're, it's all the like cite one specific, so cite the news article that you read that like tells you all of this is true. And it's just like, uh, like, I just can't even fucking do this, man. But like somebody else has to recognize all this shit, but to them you kind of just get looped in with like alex jones and they're it just shuts off completely in their head uh but it's like they don't realize that they are the redcoats because they're like oh like i'm a i'm an american and we killed redcoats and it's like you get into this whole mindset where it's like because of borders and like belonging to a certain team you can't recognize authority and because that transcends everything it transcends whatever team you're on it's just someone rules over you it doesn't matter who it is and they control everything that you do but they do a good job of masking that i guess and i don't really remember where i was going with this but i wondered <laughs> if anybody else kind of felt the same way or had anything else to add to that like how do you kind of once you become aware of it kind of combat it or counter it because it's all like a big propaganda machine information from many sources will kind of try to guide you back into that. If they can't put you back into like your little matrix thing, they'll at least try to just confuse you forever to the point where you can't really do anything definitive, it seems like. Well, I mean, for sure. I mean, we That's why we've been conflated with every awful group on the earth. Whenever, wh whenever you know, libertarians, anarchists, whatever, start to get some kind of traction, you always get, you know, labeled with whatever can dismiss you the quickest like you know when we saw the the whole boogaloo gun rights thing starting to crop up and really make some noise it was like oh no they're all white supremacists okay mm -hmm. slap down and and when all of this uh you know all, all of the uh covid stuff was coming up like oh no no they just want to kill grandma they they're, they're murderers you know they, they hate you they're selfish blah 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 and it, it's always the, just the quickest thing to be like oh no no don't even think of them they are wrong thinkers so yeah it, and it's funny when you're when you're sitting there waving a peace sign or whatever, you know, talking about anti-war stuff, and then and then someone responds to you and you're like, oh, you just don't care about women's rights in Afghanistan. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck can you hit me with that? That for one, congrats, that's some balls. But like, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it would be a lot more caring to drop some bombs on them instead. Maybe that would help their literacy rates. Like, <laughs> right. Fuck. Fucking clear up space for the McDonald's over there, man. Give them access to fast food. Oh, yeah. We, we, we got to help their profit margins now that they've taken out of Russia. But um, <laughs> no, it's it's the wildest fucking thing that whenever like there's so many ideas 
that I feel like we have that are so fucking, they should be so fucking normal. Like being anti-war should be the most normal stance ever. And, and yet our take on it, you know, both, both like morally, fiscally, all, all that stuff, it, it always gets just the worst labeling and dismissed so hard. And, and somehow they managed to like flip around the narrative to make us seem like monsters. And, oh, yeah. and, and so it's always, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm sure made everyone here an anarchist, you know, it's like, well, clearly we're not going to win this thing, you know, or, or make any, any amount of difference that's, uh, that's worthwhile by playing their game. Because <laughs> clearly we're being dealt a bad deck of cards every single time. Maybe it's time we went and played our own game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, and to follow up with that, I think what well, what's really incredibly frustrating about that, that entire scenario is that, like, you know, I was I went to graduate school when I starting it when I was 38 and I finished last year and I was the oldest person in the classroom and listening to young people and the ideas that they have. And mind you, I was the only fucking I was the only uh, anarchist that was probably in the program ever. And all of these people are shooting to get into, you know, federal positions, uh, you know, jobs within, you know, like either the Department of Defense or the FBI, you know, not realizing that they're going to you know, be getting coffee for the guy who's going to make a difference, you know, for at least 10 years of their life, that they're going to be fetching shit for people and not actually, you know, influencing policy. But to hear, you know, just the um, I guess the the acceptance of the status quo, but also you know, when we talked about earlier, you know, about breaking the programming and how difficult it is, like you're listening to people who not only not are not like questioning the programming, but are embracing the programming and, you know, touting the programming as being good mm. and being the standard and wanting to like, I loved hearing like there was a, a dear, a dear friend of mine who was like, well, no, I'm, I'm getting in because I'm going to make a change. I'm, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be, a, you know, do something positive. I, I, <laughs> I, I said to him, I said, Jeremy, I said, you'll never make a difference. I said, oh. you, it's not going to happen. You, there is no good in this. Like there it's, and the sad part is like, I've talked about it before. I have a dear friend of mine. I, we call him uh, Sergeant first class, big business uh, for identity <laughs> purposes. He's uh 82nd airborne 75th Ranger retired. And he, he, he bro they broke his body, uh, two tours in Afghanistan, three in Iraq. And when he got out, he told me, he says, you tell anybody who's looking to get into this line of work that they will chew you up and spit you out. And this man was a flag waving conservative supporting George Bush. And we need to go over there and we need to get those goddamn terrorists before they come over here. Like, you know, bought like drank the fucking Kool-Aid and asked for another <laughs> glass. And after all of that, he was like, no, this is definitely not the way it's supposed to go. And to see that happen, but you kind of want to, you, you're trying, you're, you're, you're attempting to stop that from happening, to getting to that final conclusion where you're lucky enough to have that conclusion to survive, let alone die before you get to that conclusion. And that's the sad part. But I, 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 I'm sorry to, to once again quote, uh, you know, Kilgore Trout from The Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut, I bring you more of the same. There is no hope. These kids that are in these uh, these graduate programs, they they are eating the programming and spitting it out into other people's faces and infecting them with the same shit. Like, I hate you have to know, like we talk about knowing your audience. You have to know where you're not going to make it like I tried 
to introduce people to these different ideas, these revolutionary ideas. Oh, no, no, no. I'm the one who should have been on a fucking list. You know, that's that's the conclusion that they came to. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean that you, you don't need a government? Well, how are people going? I'm like, there you go. You're not fucking thinking. You know what I mean? That's just and then studying from a political science point of view, all of the egregious errors that the state has made and then the excuse making that follows, but then not correcting the behavior or acknowledging that there needs to be a correction. But a, no. We didn't get it right that time, but this time, like how many times are you going to have to like, you know, what is the definition of insanity? Trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I mean, that's what you're dealing with. So I guess maybe that's because I'm old now and like I'm like cynical and I'm a curmudgeon and I'm like, no, it's fucked. You just you need <laughs> work. If you see an in with somebody, go for it. But most of the time, man, it's that NPC thing, man. It's just blank stares and. They're just spitting out what the what the color television has told them to say. And um, it's really frustrating, man. Like, it really is frustrating because that you don't it's like the conservatives with the uh, the Gadsden flag and, and the blue line thing. It's like, who the fuck do you think is going to take those guns, Tex? Like, really, have you thought about it? it? I mean, I don't even think the military is going to do it. I don't think that they're dumb enough to go through like the cops. Oh, boy, they, they know your streets already. They know where you live. They're friends with your friends and family members. Right. They're trusted faces in your community. Correct. Like, yeah. I, I, that's what I'll never understand. I'm sorry. Go ahead, BR. Oh, well, the, the worst thing about that is, between the military and cops, is military, they're desensitized to handling, you know, perhaps foreign civilians. And, and that, you know, I, I've talked to plenty of vets about this. It's, you know, there, there's a certain degree of alienation, like, when, when they, they, they pound into you. It's like, you know... You treat them like the the other whereas over here you know officer dick is used to treating american people like the other they they are hands off and desensitized to you know pushing an american's face into the dirt as they handcuff them or, or put a knee on their neck you know that that's a fucking terrifying enforcer to have around that's an excellent point Excellent point. Uh, Brian, did you have uh, something else? I'm sorry. Once again, I have interrupted you like an asshole. Oh, no, no, you're fine. You're uh, well, oh, shit. There was something earlier, but I might remember it. But no, like, <laughs> no, speaking no, you're of right. the, you did interrupt me. No, it's <laughs> like, oh, well, I mean, you were talking about like the interns for the FBI and the CIA and everything getting coffee for everybody. And it's like they were probably fucking with your uh, school communist election. They were probably the ones ringing. It. <laughs> they start off small and work their way up. But uh, no, with like the desensitization training, uh, I mean, for the I don't know what like the police do, but I imagine it would be the same. But uh, it was like SLA Marshall's uh, shit. I can't remember what the name of his study was called, but it's basically why we shoot human shaped targets. Now you're not shooting a bullseye at training. Yeah. You're shooting something that looks like a person. And as time goes on, they'll even uh depending on the unit but they'll like they'll make it look like a person that you would be expected to encounter in whatever operational environment you're going to be in because they don't want you to think they want you to see notice stimulus and then just give the appropriate reaction which is to shoot as long as it's not like a civilian or whatever but they want the gap uh that your brain has to cross to be as small as possible to the point that it just becomes muscle memory to where you don't even think about it and then maybe luckily it works so well that when you get home, you don't even really feel bad about it. You don't even realize that you did anything wrong because it's just like training. Yeah. I, so uh, 
some of the training I did with the British Army, there was mock villages that were both Middle Eastern, but there was still, still Northern, oh no, not Northern, <laughs> just Irish villages that we would do, we were practicing like, you know, doing dismounted patrols through and like close quarters and stuff. Irish villages with like churches and everything. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. So some of my instructors had been in Ireland during the troubles, and then we just still had those those uh, training grounds set up. That's and wild. There, crazy. Yep, and there was a visual distinction between you know kind of the the Middle Eastern looking towns and stuff, and then and then the Northern Irish and how they were set up. I keep on saying Northern Irish. I don't know why the fuck. I think I've been thinking about my Northern Irish mates a lot recently, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's they still have all that shit set up, and I'm always like, so. Are we gonna go back someday? Like, why the fuck do we still have? Why seriously? Why the fuck? I, maybe it's just used as like a European village, but it's clearly like intended to be Irish. Sure, you know how many people don't realize that Operation Banner was the longest uh, military operation in the history of the British Army. People forget about that, and that was like literally next door. I mean, it's oh, it's we don't long. learn anything about that, really interesting no. <laughs> no our history doesn't cover any of the british empire we learn a little bit of the american southwest oddly in high school we learn um nothing about the revolution funnily enough a uh, little bit of victorian medicine and i really can't remember anything anything about the british empire that's wild it's like so much of history i i like, know what? Yep. yep. We, we, we've just always been this quaint little island i don't Never. know like that's so because like in america they touch on it but they use words like manifest destiny yep, and yep. like they like you know what i mean like they don't just omit all of it <laughs> yeah you guys are actually somehow more honest than the brits <laughs> but we they talk... make you not feel bad about it so it's like no. which is really worse like <laughs> we, we talk about yeah no it's true we, we talk about like uh british royalty and british civil wars and uh you know when the romans were around and 1066 and all of that shit but not a single thing about india not, not a single thing about you know the revolution nothing about ireland holy shit yeah it's, it's really fucking wild like in retrospect i was like because i was i was always in the history as a kid but but I had to do so much supplementary reading on my own time because my actual history classes were teaching me fuck all. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's insane. That is crazy, man. And, you know, when we're talking about Ireland, I remember uh, I finding something on YouTube by accident where they had people calling in from all over, like main, the mainland of, of the UK, talking about how they were embarrassed by unionists in, in, uh, in like Belfast or, or Derry or wherever, because like they're super nationalistic, right? They got the union jacks and they're, you know, doing the, 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 the 12th of March or 12, the 12th of July March through like, you know, neighborhoods where they're really not wanted and how the rest of like mainland Britain is like, this is fucking embarrassing. Like nobody here does that. Why are yeah. you still doing it? You know what I mean? It's wild how that shit still holds over. And now the whole fucking Brexit thing is like, is that going to push them to be part of like Ireland proper now because of the fucking <laughs> hard border? Like that's all it took was leaving the EU. And now you're going to be like, well, I guess, I guess we're playing for that team now. I don't know, man. It's wild how that shit happens. Um, but yeah. We didn't. We don't talk about what happened to the Native Americans that much. We know that um, Andrew Jackson really didn't like them. We just didn't know how much he didn't like them. <laughs> yeah, we hear about that and the Trail of Tears. We don't. We don't get a body count. 
we don't get to hear why Oklahoma came to be or anything like that. Yeah. It's fucking Oklahoma. But um, I uh, I don't have any more hard questions. Does anybody else have anything they would like to discuss before we wrap it up? Because I know the boss over there. She needs to she needs to have dinner and I'm not going to get fired. today. So. <laughs> no, I just want to thank you for coming on and taking the time to speak to us. It's been really educational and I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right, Brian, do you have anything else, pal? Uh, I believe I am tapped out, but yes, thank you for coming and hanging out with us. It's been amazing. Thank you. Happy to, happy to chat shit about Britain. Always. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Christopher? Uh, nope, nothing to add, but, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks again for, uh, you know, coming and talking with us. It was cool. Yeah, man. All right. Excellent. And I echo everybody else's sentiments. I, I'm I was quite uh, I, I, well, I've been getting rejected all over the place. So when, <laughs> you, when you agreed to come on, I was like, holy shit, this is great. I can't wait to talk to this gentleman. So, um, I sincerely thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us and putting up with my um, my um, editor studio questions that or uh, editor studio esque questions that I had for you and giving us a, a good education on stuff. I really appreciate it, BR. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and at this point, could you plug away all of your stuff so that uh, our limited audience can find your stuff and listen and take in what you're making out there? All right. Uh, hopefully I don't talk your listeners' ears off, but because I make way too much shit, I've decided. But uh, so <laughs> main, pla- main place you can find me is the Anarch because that's the one place I haven't been banned yet. So that is the anarch, so like anarchist, but without the ist. dot substack. dot com. Uh, that's my kind of uh, my home base. If I get banned on everything else, I will be regrouping there because they don't seem very censor- censorious. Um, and I've been putting that together, kind of a anarchist newsletter, more focused on culture than news, because um, we have much, much, much too much confirmation bias headlines. I want to talk more about what we're actually doing um so i write that with a few other great uh anarchist writers um and then from there you can find me my main show is the br hates fed show and that's on spotify probably taking off off youtube soon because youtube's fucked but on all good podcatchers same thing with the e-militia podcast so that's like email but militia um we're like 70 episodes deep in that and i run that with a bunch of other anarchist co-hosts across the u.s um and then i produce uh the art and war podcast which is uh less anarchist centric uh, we still have the odd anarchist um guest but it's primarily more gun industry focused uh had lots of big guests like uh Garantham, lucas botkin brandon herrera a whole bunch of other great people uh in the know and you can find me on instagram uh at br.the.anarch and on twitter at br hates feds and holy shit i don't think i fucked anything up no that was a, that was a great first and only take that was excellent so <laughs> it um, happens happens once in a blue moon that's i'm glad it happened here excellent um <laughs> I, I once again thanks br for coming on and i and i would like to say uh unlike nathan and mitch i don't know br's real name so angel <laughs> over there does not have to fucking do any bleeping or editing because i laugh every single time they use br's real name and you hear the <laughs> Yeah, I'm like God, fucking damn it! And and then, and then like they'll they'll stop and be like, "Sorry, Br, take that out." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> I love it. 
That's great. Well, please uh, continue the great work. I sincerely enjoy uh, listening to um, to your podcast, and, and I, I enjoy consuming the material that you produce. And um, uh, we we value your time, and and thank you once again for coming on. Thank you very much, man. Been a pleasure. All right, and everybody, please visit our sponsors. Um, I already ran way too long, but you know who they are. Please go check them out, especially <laughs> my friend Todd, who makes gay soap. Uh, he makes excellent soap for uh, for your ass. So St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Make sure you're nice and clean with Todd's Gay Soap. And all the rest of our patrons, Agoras Nexus, Ipain Akron, and um, uh, Ray Faba, Fine Art and Design from the Great Lakes, and Team Mandalore, Keep Cycling Very Weird. Thank you very much, everybody. Please like and subscribe. Check out what our friend BR is doing. Uh, awesome show. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. <laughs>